Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Welcome to Canal and Bell, live from Nashville at the Doghouse Saloon. Raja, me, and we got our buddy Ryan Wilson, our draft analyst here at CBS Sports HQ. Join us to break everything down. It was a crazy night. Did you guys, did you guys enjoy, like, did you see Broadway? It was insane. I, Nashville, tip of the cap. It's insane. Yeah. And an unbelievable city. Philly, I thought, represented really well, but I think Nashville has blown any place out of the water. 100%. I mean, uh, you talk to people driving around, Lyft drivers, they said this is sort of the norm for uh, a typical Thursday. It's going to be Friday and Saturday. But Nashville's not joking around. The Preds just lost, but they were in the mix. Jimmy Buffett apparently is having a concert this weekend. The marathon is this weekend, yeah. and they have the draft. And here's the thing. There's some th- the things on Twitter yesterday where this is like Bachelorette Party Central. And they were bummed out. Yeah. They're like, there's a draft. Going on, we can't get to the honky tonks on Broadway. There's an epic video of the local news station talking to some bachelorettes, and they're like, "Huh, what? This, this is awful." And they're like, oh, "Well, they got to deal with it now because they can't get into any bars, they can't go anywhere." Right. Um, so yeah, kudos to uh, Nashville. It's been fun, and we got a couple more days of it uh, as the draft continues. But let's talk about the first round because we saw Kyler Murray go number one. I think all of us thought it was going to happen. Now, how does it look now that it's actually unfolded? I think it depends. I think this is the swing for the fences for the Arizona Cardinals. My biggest concern with Kyler Murray is durability. I think he can make the throws. I think they need to put him, I think they need to adapt the offense to his skill set, which I think is why they brought in Cliff Kingsbury. I think they'll do that. Now, is it a success? I would not bet my career on it the way that Steve Kahn did. I wouldn't, I just, I think it's going to be. It's going to be fun to watch, and I'm glad I wasn't the guy that put my name on it. It'll be fun to watch unless you're Josh Rosen watching yeah. that unfold last night. And let me ask you this, Danny, because you know, as a quarterback, Josh Rosen can play in an air raid offense. He did it for a little bit at UCLA. He did it in high school. I'm not clear how – I love Kyler Murray, but I'm not clear how he makes Arizona better right now. And not only that, you use that first overall pick on a player that could have helped your team build around Josh Rosen. They didn't do it, and, and I think you're exactly right. Steve Kime, if anyone's on the clock, it's Steve Kime. Because yep. if this doesn't work out, he's going to be doing something else in eight or nine months. So, I, you know, I had two schools of thought on it. One was that Cliff Kingsbury could come in as quarterback whisperer and take Josh Rosen and make him the quarterback that everyone thinks he should be uh, and then build around him with, with those draft picks and the number one pick last night. And then the other school of thought was if you're going to swing on Cliff Kingsbury, then give him what he wants, right? If you're going to – if if that – Experiment's not going to work. Then make sure that you've given him every opportunity for it to work. My only question with it is, how do you botch this situation if you're the Arizona Cardinals where you wind up with Kyler Murray and no real plan? I mean, if they have one, they haven't articulated. How are you sitting there with no plan? And it doesn't even seem like you did the due diligence on the front end to be able to move uh, Josh Rosen. You're stuck sitting there with two quarterbacks. There were some reports that came out this morning that Steve, Steve, Steve Kahn didn't even take calls until they were actually on the clock, which is absurd to me why you wouldn't at least field offers. I do think that probably they were getting a lot of low ball offers when they started to actually take those calls. I'm sure they were second and third round picks. And if I was the Cardinals, I do think they're doing the right thing by not panicking and just taking whatever they can get. The longer they hold on to Josh Rosen, I actually think they might get a better offer that comes their way, specifically if it's in August, which would 
that would be the worst case scenario for Josh Rosen. Yeah. But if you wait around, if you wait till other teams panic, there's a chance too. We've seen, you know, we saw Drew Locke drop. We're going to talk about that. But if you're a team, Cincinnati Bengals, um, you know, Miami Dolphins, or the other team who maybe are going to try to get cute and get a quarterback in the second or third round, maybe they miss out. Then after the draft is over, then the Cardinals can be back in the trade business of Josh Rosen and say, all right, now let's start fielding some of those teams. See if teams are a little bit more desperate. But Josh Rosen, it's it's he's the biggest loser of the night I, to me. I mean, Dwayne Haskins dropped yet a 15, but Josh Rosen uh, is the biggest loser because now he still doesn't know where he's going and he can't get in plugged in and start learning that system. And now it's the waiting game. Raza and I were just saying a couple minutes ago, like, what do you do if you're oh. him? I'm not going to. I'm not going to OTAs and right. training with a team that you know doesn't like you anymore. I wouldn't do that. So what happens, and I'll ask you guys because you guys know from experience, he goes to training camp, they compete because they don't get a trade offer or whatever, and he balls out over Kyler. What's that conversation going to be? What are you doing then? (laughs) I mean, that's a complete – they won three games last year, and that makes them look like a a three-win team. Yeah, I I don't think that you can afford to have that scenario unfold if you're Arizona. You cannot have those two in a competitive situation rolling into camp. So whatever it is, and I know they're posturing like they're, they're willing to do that, you can't because if that scenario pops up, I mean, you you look even worse than you look right now, and you've invested you've invested the number one pick in Kyler Murray. He's your guy. You can't you can't have him in a situation where he's got a hungry first round pick from last year breathing down his neck, potentially better than him. I mean, the jury's out, right? Josh yeah. Rosen was a really good quarterback. He he didn't have many weapons last year. Had a terrible offensive line. He's a baby. Like there is a possibility that he could go in there and look better than a, than a rookie Kyler Murray. You can't afford to have that happen if you're Arizona. I think the one area that Kyler Murray uh, obviously is the upgrade and where it masks some of the defici- deficiencies of the Arizona is the offensive line. They don't have a good offensive line. Josh Rosen got killed last year. Kyler Murray is electric. He can scramble around, but then it begs the problem. My concern is Dur- ability if he's running around does he get hit does he protect himself all those types of questions come into play when you look at it but this experiment is going to be unreal baker mayfield sent a tweet said back to back number one picks obviously uh both heisman trophy winners out of the university of oklahoma jalen hurts the next quarterback in line there <laughs> tweeted out well OLL, you, know, LOL. you talk about expectations off the charts for Jalen Hurts, it's going to be really tough for him to live up to those. Um, you know, again, Josh Rosen is going to be the guy that's the odd man out where it's just it's going to be a tough one for him. The Cardinals, uh, they sent out a tweet there, Coca. Is that what we have uh, coming up about the uh, – oh, yeah, this is the uh, freezing cold tweet. This is a freezing cold takes tweet right there because this is what they said uh, this offseason. Have fun with the speculation, but Josh is our guy Goodness from Cliff gracious. Kingsbury. Those, are, those to me are unfair. Because Cliff Kingsbury had to say that at the time. But the thing to me is, if you no, were playing... No, he didn't. <laughs> you don't think no, so? He didn't have to say anything. You don't think... But don't they say him, anything. They ask him about the situation, about the quarterbacks. What do you think of Josh? At that time, he was their guy. And you have to at least try to sell that. If for anything, maybe it's for the trade bait. Like to no. say, hey, to get teams to believe that you were going to take them. Obviously, everybody saw them trying to play their hand, which is why they got nothing in return. They got low ball offers, and that was it. What has to happen for the 2019? Cardinals to be successful. They won, like I said, three games. If they go five and eleven, no one's high fiving over that with Kyler Murray. I feel like they have to go seven and nine, eight and eight, or Steve Kime is going to have to hit the bricks. Yeah, yeah I, I think that. I mean, I don't have a number in my head, but I think if they look good offensively, um, if, if that looks like something that's sustainable in the NFL and it's exciting and there's some success there. Let's say that defense isn't good and they still lose games. I, I think you know, you know what that'll look like. Huh. Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech. I mean, that's exactly <laughs> what they got. Exactly, but, but that doesn't 
doesn't, you know, they, they, and that could be the Chiefs, but the Chiefs were, you know, epically, historically good on offense. Yeah. Defense. I don't know if Arizona is going to be historically good on offense right. yet, so I still think they're going to be a losing team. I think. I think they get. This is another interesting aspect to it. When you draft a quarterback and you go with a new one, does Steve Kime get a pass because he's just a rookie? And you say, well, it's. I think you have to see improvement. I think you have to see Kyler Murray so flashes. But if he struggles. Misses game time, doesn't look the part, you know, and he's getting maybe like the first quarter of the Bama game when he's getting ragdolled. If, if he's not able to succeed, then it's a totally different scenario. And then you're talking about Steve Kime being on the hot seat for sure. Look, uh, my, uh, just quickly, my rule on Steve Kime is uh, do you get a pass? He took a quarterback last year, so the same rule as my wife. I'll go to your friend's first wedding. Ooh. I'm not going to the second wedding. <laughs> all right. I'm out. So Josh Rosen apparently has unfollowed the Arizona Cardinals hey. on all his social media accounts. I know earlier in the offseason he had taken down all his pictures with any Cardinals swag right. sideline stuff in it. It's been a mess. It's just it's it's 2019 too because when they did their video and they had they didn't have Josh oh, Rosen gosh, in it yeah. and then they could have made it's just been an absolute disaster. So good luck to that organization. Um the other big story of the night. So Kyler Murray, you know, 510, you know, unbelievable uh you know historical pick, you know, two two sport guy. The other big story of the night to me was when the New York Giants were on the clock and they took Daniel Jones and Everybody was like, what is going on with this pick? Myself included. I thought Dwayne Haskins was the best quarterback in this class uh, with the with a nice upside and a lower amount of risk. Daniel Jones is the uh, – it just for me, if you believe that much in David Cl- Cutcliffe's endorsement and the relationship with the Mannings, why didn't you hire Cutcliffe to be your head coach? You know, and just kind of like they gave Clicks Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, they're, they're kind of paired together. I get it. He's your prototypical passer, but for a guy who's 6'5", 221 pounds, he doesn't have that absolute cannon for an arm. He does have some good traits. Like, I'm not going to totally trash him, but I totally think they could have waited and got him at 17. And if you didn't, I would have been okay with that. I don't think he's a Andrew Luck or a Patrick Mahomes or somebody that you, you just have to go get, but that's the decision they made. I am complete shocked that they took him at six. I'm with you 100%. There were murmurs at the Senior Bowl about the Giants loving Daniel Jones. And actually last night, Dave got on said that uh, I saw him do a couple throw a couple passes. And I, that, that sold me at the Senior Bowl. So uh, he was the MVP of the Senior Bowl game. But during that week, Danny, he was not great. He was fluttering balls. Drew Locks uh, balled out much more than he did. I'm with you. You take Dwayne Haskins at six, much cleaner guy, much less to worry about. And also, when you take a guy at six that doesn't blow you away on any level, that seems to me like he's not a six, number six overall pick. Yeah. Yeah, we had the conversation. Look, I don't break down film on any of these quarterbacks. I'm not going to sit up here and pretend like I do. But I talk to a lot of you guys and a lot of people that do do that for a living. And I, I would, I didn't find one person across these conversations that had this kid ahead of either Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins. And if you're the Giants, um, you know, and you, you, I know you're trying to establish a culture, and some of that fits with what you're what you're talking about with this young man coming in. And his coach Cutcliffe said that we believe that the most swag is no swag, and he is a swagless dude. Like yeah. he keeps it pretty, you know, straight, straight and narrow. But you're looking to drum up some kind of excitement and some kind of buzz with this pick in your market. And I think universally, you saw all this stuff on social media. Everybody that was a Giants fan was sitting there puzzled at the pick. That says enough to me. And I know they're not the ones that are making the decisions and calling the plays. But, man, you left everybody. You just sucked the air out of the building when you picked the kid, you know? So he's been compared to Peyton and Eli. I absolutely think he's closer to Eli. I think he's closer to Joe Flacco with maybe not the top-tier talent. When you look at Eli's career, 
It's been really up and down. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the way Daniel Jones plays. When he's under pressure, he makes bad decisions. If you look at Eli, same thing. You know, he's, he's not, he's, sure. he's thrown a lot of interceptions. When he's been hot, there is the top tier. He does get the team to the Super Bowl. Um, but here's the thing. Eli Manning, as much as up and down he's been, he had the Super Bowl, so he got a pass from that. He also got a pass because his last name was Manning, so they were extremely patient with him. I don't, Daniel Jones now comes in with a lot of speculation, a lot of doubt. You know, and that New York media who was already questioning this, is going to be on him early. Um, so I think it's going to be a really rough task for him. He does have the advantage of being able to sit and watch. But a couple things that are really perplexing. The, you talked about the three series at the Senior Bowl. Like, are you kidding me? It's a, an exhibition game where, you know, they're not even allowed <laughs> to blitz. And they can't, you know, it's just, I, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. And then to add on top of it, Gettleman says, who knows? Maybe we'll use the Green Bay Packers plan and we don't play them for three years. What what era does he think we're playing in? You don't have that luxury anymore. Right. I, I just and, – and the other thing, we were talking about this before the show. Gettleman's coming off, and we, we did a segment on him the other day, yep. as this really arrogant guy, like a know-it-all. And I just don't know where the arrogance comes from. He doesn't have the resume that's as strong to be like, yeah, you guys just have to trust me. I, right. don't, I don't trust him in this spot. So I, I, I just don't – think this is going to play out the way the Giants fans want it to. The best thing that happened to Steve Kime last night was Dave Gettleman. Off of the Kyler Murray thing. And I'm with you on Daniel Jones. I, I talked to scouts at the Senior Bowl and afterwards. Is Daniel Jones' struggles, is that a function of playing at Duke where the offensive line wasn't very good and the wide receivers weren't very good? Or is that who Daniel Jones is? Right. Dave Gettleman only needed three series to figure it out, but other teams were a little more concerned about it. <laughs> I, 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 it's, I, I, all jokes aside, I, I, could he be a good quarterback in, in the NFL? Yeah. yeah. But when you're taking somebody at six, man, it better, it better come with a universal stamp of approval, right? You know what I mean? That's yes. not the one that you step up there and you just say, hey, let me go off at three series. I saw it at the, at the senior bowl. That's something that's got to be signed, sealed, delivered. It's got to be on tape. There has to be success to back that up. You don't take a flyer at six. Yep. You take a flyer at 17. You take a flyer second round. You don't take a flyer at six. Uh, so the Giants must be in love with the Senior Bowl because for three years in a row they've taken the Senior Bowl MVP, Davis Webb, Kyle Laletta, and now Daniel oh, Jones. And I'm meaningless game exactly. Out. But at least they didn't spend sixth right, round. They right, got right, fourth right, and fourth point, round pick, point. so uh, it wasn't that good. So the shock to me was that they passed over Dwayne Haskins, and then all of a sudden you're watching Dwayne Haskins on the board. You're seeing the Broncos pass on him, need a quarterback. You're seeing the Dolphins pass on him, needed a quarterback. And then finally the Redskins get him. Uh, and I think – so here's where I'm concerned for Dwayne Haskins. All these quarterbacks today, it matters where you're playing, the situation you're in, the offense you're running, and the talent that you're surrounded by. From everything that you're seeing of this situation that Dwayne Haskins is going into, it's a mess. He's got an owner who get who meddles in business, might have taken him despite his coach not wanting him, which is a, a, yeah, an ugly a whole nother, situation yeah. to go into. They don't have a lot of talent on that roster. I thought Dwayne Haskins could use some time to develop. I think he probably could beat out Case Keenum and be thrown out there right away. So as much as I like Dwayne Haskins, I might have the most concern about him because of the situation he's in. I'm right there with you. And just think a few years ago, what if Patrick Mahomes went to that terrible Browns team? Yes. We would be talking about Patrick Mahomes in a completely different light because he'd be on the bench somewhere, you know, with one arm and two legs and two legs and that's it. But here's the deal with uh, Dwayne Haskins. And, and Danny, to your point, the Redskins traded back into the first round at the bottom. And I said, if they get DK Metcalf here, that will give Dwayne Haskins that deep threat. That team has no offensive weapons. They have Josh Doxson, who hasn't worked out. Jordan Reed can't stay healthy. Offensive line isn't terrible, but you need someone around Dwayne Haskins because if you throw him out there, he's going to take a beating sort of like rg3 took after that first year where he, where he went off yeah that's tough that's gonna be interesting to watch too because you know obviously 
the kid felt like the Giants were going to pick him. I mean, I don't know that they gave him any reason to feel like that, but you could see that he was a little frustrated with that. And now he's going to get a chance to see the Giants and, uh, you know, the, the kid from Duke over and yeah. over and over again. So you're talking about the mistake was made by the Giants and Gettleman. I mean, that's going to be in their face. And the kid even said it. I mean, he said, uh, you know, the league made a mistake. And so I'm, I'm excited to see that part of it play out. I can't really speak to the talent on the roster. At that point, let me ask you guys, like when you're, when you're in that middle of the first round there, what team could he have gone to in those picks after New York that would have been a better situation for him? Either A, there wasn't already an established quarterback, so he wouldn't have to wait three years, or there was more weaponry around him on a young team where he could play right now. I think Denver, but in, Denver was yeah. a big shot. We're going to talk about Drew Locke in a little bit as he's still on the board, still available, but you had Joe Flacco who can kind of, you know, he's, he's a, a, sta- a uh, a stopgap quarterback right. that Elway brings in. You can learn behind him. Similar, like, you know, Flacco's not really going to be running around. Neither is Dwayne Haskins. So you kind of have a similar skill set there. It's a good franchise. I know uh, John Elway has had a lot of misses at quarterback. But in spite of that, it's a stable franchise. It's had a rich tradition. You're trying to get back to Super Bowl ways. I think that could have been a spot. Miami... I thought could have been an interesting one. You pair him with a new head coach in Flores. You know, Stephen Ross has been, you know, would would could have, could have taken him, build around him. You get, because they've been bad, you can kind of ease him in there. The expectations are a little bit low. Um, but I think all of this, the fact that he dropped, the fact that Drew Locke dropped and still hasn't been picked, speaks to what we thought last year and what we sort of thought this year was this quarterback class as a whole just wasn't that good. Like, I think all these guys, Kyler Murray included, if it's normally – a 50-50 proposition of, hey, it's either going to be a success at quarterback or a failure. I would say this year it, it skews maybe 60-40 of there's a lot more risk and a lot more potential for these guys to actually be bust and not that good. Or, you know, and if you look at it, the, the past five or six drafts, You've had Patrick Mahomes who lit the world up. You had Andrew Luck going back a little bit further, but even Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, like they're okay, you know. Yeah. And that's the more likely scenario with some of these quarterbacks is they're just going to be okay. Yeah. And I, I don't know. And if I was a team, I would say, well, I don't want to take an okay quarterback. Let's let him fall to us, which is I think what the Redskins did. And I think it speaks more to the entire class on it. So John uh, Jay Gruden said, if you, you know if you have a 15 pick of the draft, I think you're gonna have to give him the opportunity without a doubt. We feel good about the guys we have in the building for sure. Man, these are cliche central. These uh, Jay Gruden quotes doesn't sound like he's in love with them, but I do think he's going to uh, he's gonna have to play there. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season, and so are we. I'm Tori Deal, and I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars Four is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts all right, welcome back to Canel and Bell here in Nashville at the Doghouse Saloon. It's been a you know fun couple days here. We're hanging out. Uh, it's been a good crowd last night. We'll be here tonight for the draft. You guys can check it out right here on CBS Sports HQ. We'll have all the picks covered in rounds two and three and tomorrow uh, as the draft kind of finishes off. This to me, Ryan Raja, uh, Ryan Wilson joining us, our draft uh, expert here at uh, CBS Sports. This to me is where the GMs, scouts make their hay. Like rounds two, three, four. 
even five, you know, six and seven is a little bit more of a crapshoot. But like these, this is the sweet spot to me where you really earn your keep because this is where there's value, where you see start to get you guys start to drop, and maybe there's some picks you look at and it's a little bit like, oh, where did that guy come from? This to me is where the the guys make their hay. Absolutely, and this class is deep. We talked about the quarterbacks not being a very deep class. Incredibly deep at wide receiver. Cornerback Greedy Williams, who was one of the best athletes in this class, many were talking as a top five pick back in the fall, fell out. The LSU cornerback fell out of the first round altogether. So wide receivers, cornerbacks, tight ends. Uh, two tight ends went to the Iowa kids, went in the first round, and deservedly so. We know that the Patriots need a tight end. So we'll see how this shakes out. But you're exactly right, Danny. And, and I think it starts pretty early. A, a guy that – D.K. Metcalf, we just talked about in the last segment. He hasn't gone yet. 4-3-3 guy. He looks like Jadavion Clowney with his shirt off. Yeah. And he runs like uh, – like, uh, a sprinter. I mean, who's a, who's a sprinter from back in the day? Granado Nehemiah. Yeah. yeah. I, I was going to say uh, Edwin Moses. Like, <laughs> big, tall, you know, guy, lanky yeah. dude out there. Uh, if, I was, if I was a team and I had a top five pick, I think I would want to trade back unless you just fell in love with somebody. Yeah. But it's interesting, as much as we say that, and I think d- teams do want to trade out, oftentimes it just doesn't happen. Like, there can't be trade parts. And it feels like that's what happened with the Jets, who had the number three overall pick. We're t- dying to get out of it. But I think they could be the biggest winners in the draft because Quinn Williams, to me, I like him better than Nick Bosa. I think he brings an interior presence that can disrupt from the you know from the middle. Every quarterback from the time you pick up a football is taught to step up in the pocket. Every tackle is taught you know for pass protection is taught to kick out, kick mm-hmm. out so the quarterback can step up. The biggest problem you have as a quarterback, if you've been taught that, is what happens if I can't step up because there's a guy sitting in my lap. I think that's the type of talent and skill set that Quentin Williams brings. Um, you know, we talked about Aaron Donald and the impact he's had on the NFL. Ed Oliver's a guy who has a similar size. Quentin Williams, to me, is the type of player of Aaron Donald, except he's a bigger version of him. So I love this pick for the Jets. I'm with you 100%. He was the number one player on my board. I talked to him yesterday, and I said, 12 months ago, could you imagine you'd be where you are right now in this red carpet? 12 months ago, Deron Payne was about to be the first-round pick of the Redskins, the guy he played behind. He said, man, eight months ago, I had no I didn't know if I was going to be starting. And then he just balled out the entire season. And uh, here's something that uh, our colleague John Breach came up with last night. So it's going to be him, Quentin Williams, Leonard Williams also inside. Yep, who was a first-round pick first from round USC. Pick. Their nickname, W-2, like the tax. Yeah. Oh, I kind of like that, too. I think uh, the New York, they, they've had uh, trendy uh, nicknames before uh, in New York, uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how the Jets fare there. The Raiders, to me, were the biggest story of the night going into the draft with three first-round picks. I thought there was potential for them to make a lot of moves, possibly trade up. Uh, they, you know, the surprise of the night, probably the biggest surprise was Daniel Jones at six. But when the Raiders took Cleveland Farrell at number four, I think a lot of people were like, wait a second, huh? This was a guy who's probably pegged to go later in the first round out of Clemson. I don't think it's... I don't think it's that big of a risk. I don't think there's that much separation in a lot of guys who are extremely talented in this draft. Um... But I think the thing that's going to be he's going to be compared to is Khalil Mack because that's the guy they're trying to replace. And I don't know if you're getting that type of pass rusher in Cleveland Farrell. You're, you're not. He's a great athlete, played on the, the best defensive line in college football, the best football team in college football last year. Which is kind of concerning because then you get better matchups when you're playing with all these guys when you're dominating. It's not going to be that way when you step in the NFL. That's a great point. By the way, those two other teammates on the defensive line win the first round last right. night. So to your point, Danny, uh, the issue with him uh, in terms of scouts' opinion is that how flexible is he around the edge? Because sometimes he would be this close to getting a sack, and then the offensive lineman would just push him past the quarterback, and that obviously doesn't doesn't accomplish the task. Uh, John Gruden and Mike Mayock felt differently. They took him at four. Here's what I will say to defend it. And I like Cleveland Farrell later in the draft, as you pointed out, later in the first round. But 
if there were a run on edge rushers, and there are probably five or six guys that are top first-round tier top, tier guys, and they like him the best, I'm fine taking him four. Don't mess around. But you're right. Is he Khalil Mack? No. But he does feel that edge rush need because all John Gruden did last year after every loss was go to the podium and said, we need edge rushers. Yeah. I don't know why this isn't working out. You know, you know what I like in getting guys from Alabama and Clemson? If you're trying to change a culture, which the Raiders clearly are trying to do, and especially from Clemson, they preach family, they preach team, they preach fun, and they're winning. These guys are used to winning, these guys at Clemson. Now you bring them into your locker room, and you hope that message spreads throughout. Pick Josh Jacobs, similar situation. Running back. I know running backs have been devalued over the last few years. I think Josh Jacobs, is he's my favorite running back. I think there was a pretty significant gap between him and all the rest of the class. They needed uh, to replace Marshawn Lynch as he's, you know, uh, retiring. I think he runs hard. He runs angry. And I think he can catch out of the backfield. I, and then with Jonathan Abrams, the safety at the 27th pick, I know they're not the sexiest picks, but I think they fulfilled a lot of needs. And it's a pretty solid like I say, B, like B for yeah. the Oakland Raiders overall yeah, for Mike Mayock. Absolutely. We were talking about the Giants earlier. Uh, that's not a B draft in the first round. But these three guys they got fill every need. They had needs along the defensive line, the linebacker, and the secondary. They did all that. Uh, let me ask you this because I saw uh, a video today uh, of John Gruden calling Josh Jacobs and, and giving him sort of the John Gruden uh, macho guy spiel. <laughs> As professional athletes, do you respond to like John Gruden type coaching? Is that you get fired up, or are you like, okay, this guy's over the top? I think it, I think it, it's to each his own, you know. Like some guys respond. I responded to that. Um, you know, I played for Jerry Sloan and guys like that. They had this this in your face type of tough guy mentality, and and it worked for me. Um, I, I didn't like coaches that that uh, allowed too much you know, leeway and, and, and not that accountable type of coach because I saw guys that would push the envelope and get away with a whole lot. I was a little more conservative with my approach. So I appreciated kind of the tough guy in your face, you know, disciplinary and coach to a degree. There's always a line you cross when you're that yeah. guy. Um, and it can give, it can get a little messy, but you know, I, I would respond to that. Just give me authenticity. Give me a guy who's real. And I do think that's who John Gruden is. I think he's passionate. I think he's a little bit crazy. I think he's nuts about football. And I think if that passion shows and it comes out in a certain way, and he's consistent with it, then I'm good with it. And I think the players will respond to that. Player, NFL guys do not respond to rah-rah coaches. We right. had a special teams you, coach in the New York Giants, and he came in there my second or third year, and he was straight from the college game. And Jim Fossil was kind of buttoned up a little bit more professorial, like a, you know, a little right. bit more student of the game. This guy comes in, and he's trying to, like, he's breaking down meetings with claps. And <laughs> all, everybody in the room was, like, rolling their eyes. Like, yeah. oh, this guy, like, does he realize we're not in college anymore? So it kind of – there are different styles – it's just you kind of have to be authentic, and the players have to respond. Authentic to it. is a good way to to put it because you know NBA, NFL, you know most professional sports. If you're fake, they sniff that out. Like there's no, if you do not come in there and keep it 100, and you're and you're you know vacillating from day to day on who yeah. you are, guys sniff that out, and there's no real respect for that. So authenticity is the word. How Let's do you keep. feel about the Jonathan Abram pick? Because he's he's not. I mean, it feels like today we've devalued running backs, but we've also de- devalued the bigger safeties who come up and run support. They're a little bit more of the, you know, the big thud, the guys that come yeah. up and tackle. Like the Giants are a good example. They moved on from Landon Collins, who I thought was a great safety because they were worried about him in pass coverage. Are you concerned at all about Abram there at the 27th pick for the Raiders? That's right. He's more of a close to the line of scrimmage guy. He doesn't play very well in space. He's really athletic. He ran a sub four five. Good luck against the Chiefs then. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. And, that, and that's the thing. And they may have to circle back and sort of uh, address some other needs. A cornerback. If they had taken Greedy Williams there, I, I wouldn't have been surprised either. But the thing is, uh, 
teams were all over the board about where these safeties were because there were so many of them. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson out of Florida, Nasir Adderley out of Delaware. Those are guys that could have gone. Deontay Thompson out of Alabama sort of falling a little bit. So they wanted the thumper. He's a tone setter, and you guys talk about authenticity. He'll smack you in the mouth and get your attention and sort of get that defense back on track. We've been talking about the defense was terrible. So maybe that was the thinking there. You get Clea, uh, Farrell off the edge to do the edge rushing and have someone just setting the tone in the back end. By the way, did you see the story where my, Mike Mayock was talking about? Because they caught some criticism for sending all the scouts home. And he was on record yesterday when they asked him about it. He said, well, he said, when we sent him home, it was part of the business. We had to do it. But he said, within 40 minutes after we sent them home, there was a leak that came out. He's like, that's why we did it. I, I expect there'll be some shakeups in that front office if that's the, the lack of trust you had uh, for your team there. All right, let's go to uh, Drew Locke now, who is still on the board. I feel bad for him because I think, you know, we talked about this the other day. I would tell all these draft picks, don't listen to the noise, don't buy the hype, don't listen to your agent, don't look at mock drafts, and yet it's almost impossible to do it. I thought he was a lock to go 10 to the Broncos, and he's there, he's on the red carpet, he's talking about game-changing moment, and yet that's got to be a long night's sleep for him, wondering, man, where am I going, why did I fall, and now what happens next? I think it's... I don't, I don't, I didn't like it. Like, he was my third, um, he was my fourth quarter. I, I like Daniel Jones more than okay, Drew yeah. Locke, but I just, I, I think second round is probably where he probably would have been taken, but the tendency has been to overdraft, and this year it seems like Haskins and Drew Locke specifically are being, you know, put on the back burner because they're not that true first round talent. Yeah, no, you're exactly right, and, and it started at the Senior Bowl. He had a really good Senior Bowl, and uh, going even back to his his season in Missouri, super slow start. He had a slow start. They had a new offense coordinator. He's learned the offense. Last five weeks, he was on fire. He can throw the ball a mile, and he's actually one of the best deep ball throwers in college football last season. So it made some sense that a team like Denver would be interested. We knew that John Elway had gone to a couple games. He was sniffing around the quarterbacks group during Senior Bowl week. So he fell out of the he fell out of the first round. So now what happens? And Danny, you're exactly right about the mock drafts at the Super Bowl. I probably talked to. 30 players uh, who are currently in the NFL and asked them. So when you were coming through the process, were you looking at mock drafts? 99% of them said, yeah, I, I checked it out. Absolutely. You <laughs> start looking. To. You might even start looking at apartments in certain cities. You start checking out neighborhoods. You start thinking about your bank account. But you better like, not be doing that. Nobody's you better not be checking nature. out neighborhoods <laughs> no, off of a mock draft. No, but it's human nature. I guarantee you the money comes out. I guarantee you the they're money, starting what, to look at just money. What would I make here yeah. versus what would I make here? And what, it's a big difference. Here's what I'll say to a kid. Uh, uh, like like him with the offensive tackle out of Florida, the, the, Juwan, the, the Taylor. Juwan Taylor guys that projected first round guys or, or borderline that didn't get drafted. Sometimes it works out for the best. You might now find yourself in a more stable franchise, and I've said this before on air. Like things typically happen for a reason. Um, yes, there's more money attached to that that high first round pick. You get into an unstable situation. Uh, confidence gets down. They don't know how to handle you, and now you're kicked out of the league. You've had three years, and yeah, you made more money up front. While you wind up going in the second round, somebody might make a deal to come up and get you because they really want you. You're protected. You're in a good, stable environment. Now you've got some longevity on that career. So you got to be patient. It's hard for a young man to understand that and, and sift through all the noise to get to that. But just sit back, wait. You're going to get drafted. Let's see where we wind up. A lot of times it works out for the best. So not only did he get passed on with a 10th pick when the Broncos traded out of it to the Steelers, 
Then they have the 20th selection, and he gets passed on again, which, again, if he's reading all the reports, Elway loves him, which I thought he did too, that he was going to get taken there. They go with a tight end instead and Noah Fant, and that to me maybe is a little bit concerning if you're a Broncos fan because I think that means John Elway really likes Joe Flacco and think he might be the answer for the next couple years, and I would be concerned if I'm a Broncos fan and that's the direction you're going. It's not a knock against Noah Fant. It's just I think that's a move to to support Joe Flacco. I said this yesterday. I'm going to let you go, Ryan. Um, (laughs) Look, if I am a quarterback and John Elway, and I I revere John Elway. John Elway was great. Do not endorse me as a current quarterback. Once he does that, it is the kiss of death. It is the curse. So if I'm Drew Locke, thank you for not drafting me. I appreciate that. And if you're if you if you're Joe Flacco, you got to be sitting there like, well, it's a wrap for me. Yep, this is over. It's 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 it's. I mean, all jokes aside, he hasn't had a great track record in terms of identifying talent at the quarterback position. And then once they get him there, you know, developing because that's the other part of the story. You get young talent. You got to develop it. Uh, like San Antonio Spurs, the New England Patriots, like really good organizations, find the gems, they find the diamonds in the rough, and then they cultivate those things. They shine them up, and he hasn't had a good uh, track record of doing that. Hundred percent. You're exa- I mean, I feel exactly the same way about John Elway, and maybe there was a sigh of relief from Drew Locke and his family when he wasn't drafted. But there's a chance they could take him in the second round. There's some teams that I scribbled down that pick in the top ten picks in the second round. The Jaguars would they do that? They got Nick Foles, but is he a long term answer? The Bucks. Uh, you got a yeah. guy throws deep. Bruce Arian loves throwing the ball deep. Jameis Winston, we don't know about him. The Broncos pick after that. And then what would you do, Danny and Raja, if the Packers took Drew Locke in the Ooh. second round and made things saucy? That would make it real saucy, although you know they just gave Aaron Rodgers a nice little extension. But, hey, he's been hurt a lot. Maybe it's a good backup plan. And it could be a good situation for him to learn behind one of the best. And you may, maybe you have a recurring situation like you had Brett Favre towards the end of his career. Aaron Rodgers had to wait. Maybe have a similar type situation. All right. Welcome back to Kennell and Bell here, live from Nashville at the Doghouse Saloon. Uh, the NFL has had its share of uh, off-the-field issues in the past five or six years. I think the NFL is doing a much better job of policing it, trying to discourage domestic violence and issues that happen off the field. But it doesn't mean they're not going to stop happening, and that's what's happened in Kansas City is Tyreek Hill, who the top three wide receiver in the game. He's yeah. a game-changer for them. Has had some issues off the field with his fiance and specifically his child, uh, and this is really disturbing for us both. We're both parents. When you look at it, um, and he was actually cleared of the charges that were uh, levied against him by his fiance in the court system. In the, okay. in the court system, he was cleared. So a lot of people said, "Oh, maybe he'll be fine." This means the Chiefs can keep him. Well, after he was cleared, the fiance who kept this audio as uh, I think it was as she called it an insurance policy mm-hmm. uh, releases this audio, and there is a lot of disturbing interaction on there when his fiance is on the recording. Uh, talking to Tyreek Hill about the interactions with their kid. Um, she's, and then the kid, the accusations were that there was the child abuse taking place and right. he was, you know, um, it broke his arm and it's just, it's yeah. awful. It comes out and she says, uh, you know, the kid said, why did he, why did he say daddy did it? Why did he say daddy did it? And Tyreek Hill replied, he says daddy does a lot of things. Then his fiance replies, a three year old is not going to lie about what happened to his arm. Daddy did it, she said. He is terrified of you. Then Tyreek Hill came back and responded, you need to be terrified of me too, bleep. Um, later in the recording, his fiance says, he kept saying, daddy punches me, which you do when he starts crying. What do you do? You make him open his arms and you punch him in the chest. Then if he gets in trouble, you get the belt out. It's ugly. It's alarming. Um, it's unfortunate. 
And I think the best thing that I saw this morning was I saw some legal experts weigh in and said that this could potentially open the case back up where all of a sudden they look at reassessing those criminal charges levied against him. And I think that's the best case for the NFL. I think it's the best case for the Chiefs. They've already, the Chiefs have already said he's barred from the facilities until we get more into this. I've always been a believer in let the, like, there's going to be an outcry. Everyone's going to say the NFL should never let him play again, which everyone has the right to that opinion. I wish that we would get mad at the judicial system and the court system for letting people off because of technicalities. Let's be better about levying punishments, taking care of this, protecting innocent children who are, you know, uh, abused in situations like this. And that's my hope is that they come and they throw everything they can and right. prosecute them as much as they can and come down with a stiff penalty from the legal system as opposed to having to rely on the NFL to be the moral authority because well, they failed in the past before on that. Correct. Um, and, I, and quite frankly, I don't know that that's the NFL's job to be the more like you're correct it's our judicial system that needs to be that and if you can if you can reopen that case let you, the judicial process play itself out you can find a way um you know to find to find him guilty uh, then it supports whatever the nfl would want to do to him right and then the slippery slope that i talk about not look I, I think all of that is egregious I, I think there's no place for any of it i don't support any of it i also don't support um you taking someone's livelihood away for for forever for uh accusations when someone hasn't been found guilty of it you know what i mean like yeah there's a tape and you know there there were words on that tape but who's to say look who is to say that someone's not on that tape just talking sideways out of their neck you understand what i'm saying now you find enough proof you find him guilty in the court of law and i am fully in support of the nfl doing whatever they have to do because he has been found guilty i am a believer in innocent until proven guilty and you know that's just the way i'll always be i don't support anything that was on that tape or tyreek hill punching his kid in the chest or telling a woman that she should be no afraid nobody of him. would but you got to be careful when you start stripping people of their livelihood anybody professionals in any arena or walk of life with with just accusations and, and no real no real they haven't been found guilty of it do you understand what i'm saying yep now if the nfl does their own private investigation you know and they decide like to take it upon themselves to do that they find guilt and so on and so forth that's another conversation but right now with just the tape out you know how many times have you had conversations with people where you're sitting there and you'll be like you are lying right like you're lying you're sitting here I, I, you're lying yeah like who's to say that it's not one of those and i'm not saying unequivocally that it is but you gotta be careful when you start levying life-altering punishments off of just stuff like that that's why i'm really cautious you know there's and it's easy to send a tweet and it's really easy just to go out there and say this guy should never play again right let's that you know step back if all these allegations are true then it's a different conversation. Let's make sure that the audio is verified, that it's not doctored, that Correct. there's nothing, you know, because, I mean, people do crazy stuff all the time on both sides. Guys do really awful things. Absolutely. So, you know, it's just let's let it play its course Besides, before we all start here and saying, and saying Tyree Kill should never play again. Um, Brett Veach, the uh, general manager of the Chiefs, obviously says we are deeply disturbed by what we heard. We're deeply concerned. Now we have a great concern for the fiancé. We are greatly concerned for Tyreek, but our main focus, our main concern, is with the young child, which is true. That, yeah. that one is the uh, unfortunate. The most unfortunate is when you see a three-year-old dragged into all this. And um, if it is as bad as it's, it is, maybe you need to remove that child from the situation. Correct. But it's something we'll have to keep an eye on uh, is that one. Much serious than anything we're talking about as far as the draft and all that. Um, but we'll keep an eye on that and then keep you on uh, posted as you know any details come out on that. So getting back to the draft. Um, we were talking about earlier how you have to ignore the noise. You can't pay attention to the mock drafts. 
because a lot of times you're going to get disappointed. Greedy Williams is one of those guys who has still not been selected. Most mocks that I saw of Greedy Williams had him kind of slowly dropping. I saw him at one time being top 10. Most of them in the last month or so had him lower portion of the first round. He gets passed on. But there is some speculation that there's some negative um, – I don't know, like, I was going to say negative noise. That's a perfect word. Negative noise on Greedy Williams that some people are trashing his reputation. So Tyron Matthew played at LSU, where Greedy Williams plays, uh, came out with a tweet that was very interesting. He said, low-key starting to feel like someone gave my man Greedy a bad rep. I might know who that guy is. He always did have his favorites. Then he followed up with it and said, "Yeah, I know who he is. Crazy thing is, guys don't know, but this one guy, this one guy opinion tends to outweigh coaches and even sometimes film." Huh. I'm dying to know who it Call is. Call him out. I know, right? Like, put a name on it, <laughs> Tyron. You already made your millions. Come out right. and say who it is. Maybe it's true. Uh, well, Maybe it's not. Th- you, know, Danny, <laughs> you know this well. Unless there is some kind of documented medical. Um, record or, or something that was discovered in that process. When a guy starts slipping like that, when he's as good as greedy is and the tape speaks for itself, when he starts slipping, usually it has something to do with character issues or perceived character issues or someone um, letting noise out about um, him as an individual. And so, while I don't know that to be a fact, I certainly think um, that's a, it, there's a high probability that someone somewhere um, has some information out there that is that is less than um, flattering about Greedy Williams. I don't know. I don't think this was a spectacular defensive back class. You didn't see a DB taken until the 30th pick when the Giants took DeAndre Baker out of Georgia, who's a pretty good player. I don't. I don't think you could unequivocally say, man. Greedy Williams should have been selected by the Giants. He's better than DeAndre Baker. Right. I think he probably gets taken pretty soon. Um, well, if that happens, this kind of goes this right. Goes I think back. I think he just yeah. might like what DK Metcalf. So where like, are people have, trashing him? Where would he, he, thought he, where would he have be to slip to pick. before you would start? Getting I would some, say out of the second round. Yeah, out of the second you know, round, yeah, like, like, like a whole okay, other entire draft. Then you're like, all right, somebody's right. trashing his reputation. I'll right. tell you one thing: this probably isn't helping. Like, is, I know Tyron Matthews trying to get a message out there. It's probably not helping Greedy Williams that he's out there making these accusations, calling people out and putting their job. You know, like I don't think it's good to put everyone on blast right now at this point. You know, wait till after he gets selected, make sure he gets taken. I don't know that any so. I tend to believe. Uh, well, actually, I don't know. So let's say he falls out of the second round. Then, then, then I will say yes. I believe that that's probably happening. It's really tough for me. I'm one of those guys. Like, if you don't have something good to say, don't say anything. Yep. You know, and I know, you know, reputations are on the line, and you're, and you want to develop a pipeline, and you want guys at the at the upper level to trust you, so you want to be forthright and whatever. And there's a way to do that, though. Do you know what I mean? If a guy comes in and asks, like, I, I coach high school, I had. High school coaches ask me about kids that, that potentially, I mean, college coaches ask me about kids that they were recruiting to go to high school. You know, they'd ask me questions about the kid and I knew that they were, there were red flags and stuff. You know what you do? You navigate that. You package it. You, you talk around it. You don't want to kill a kid and his opportunity. They're, they're, I always say this about coaches versus the players. I mean, when you're not pros, when you're in high school level and college level, you're a grown man. You're an adult. You're making your living. These are kids, right? So you have to, you know, have a little bit bigger picture on you than, than, than killing a kid, given the opportunity. Yeah, you could kill a kid. But you, I mean, you could be ruining someone's life, you yep. know? So you want to make sure that you're, you're, you're being fair to both sides. I want to find out who is. So you got the LSU connection with Tyron Matthew and Greedy Williams. Then last year, Dar- uh, Darius Geis was a running back coming out of LSU and he was dropping like a rock through the draft. And there was a lot of questions about his character. Yeah. There was whispers out there and he was, I mean, he fell like a rock. Didn't it happen like- to Tyron Matthew too? 
Uh, yes, yeah, somewhat. Yeah. yeah, but he was still taking pretty. He was still taking the first round. But it does make me wonder: is there somebody on LSU's coaching staff or somebody there? Me wonder. The man just told you. I know exactly, but I'm trying to know who it is because I don't. I don't. Is it Coach O? Like I, everybody loves Coach O. Yeah. I don't think, is it the strength? No, I think like, it's all. Is yeah. it somebody there? An academic? Like is it somebody? That, I don't know. Like most coaches go the other direction. They give misinformation to make the players look better because right. they want more first round picks. Sure. It's kind of crazy that somebody would be, you know, ripping all these LSU guys when you From want LSU, that. right? Yeah. It yeah. makes no sense. So hopefully we'll get to the bottom of it. Maybe, uh, Tyron Matthew will out him. That's my hope. I'm going to start <laughs> tweeting at him all day long, uh, as we, as we get through the drafts. And we'll have to see where, uh, Greedy Williams gets taken. I think he gets taken pretty quickly here, uh, on day two, which will be right here on CBS, uh, Sports HQ, uh, tonight, uh, and tomorrow. We'll get every pick uh, that as it happens unfolds right here. All right, welcome back to Kennell and Bell, hanging out here live in Nashville at the Doghouse Saloon. We have breaking news in college football. I think it's going to spark a lot of conversation, as it always does, mm-hmm. about, hey, why are these coaches making so much money? The players are making none. Dabo Sweeney, head coach at the University of Clemson, who was here, he's in Nashville, watching all his guys, those three defensive linemen get picked in the first round, has inked a new contract. You ready for the terms? Mm, you ready for it? Mm. Ten-year deal for $93 million total. Uh, it runs good through money. 2028, averaging at least $9 million per year. Oh, that's good money. His buyout is $4 million, decreasing by $1 million every two years. Uh, it has specific buyout language that reduces his overall buyout amount by 50%, specifically if he leaves for Alabama I don't know. Jimbo Fisher reset the market when he got the 10-year $75 million for Texas A&M. I think there's a very – there's an interesting debate of if it's Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney. I think they're the two best coaches sure. in college football. I think you lock him up. He's only 49 years old. You've got a dynasty going. It makes sense. Recruiting, you never have to worry about him leaving in theory. I I, I have no problem with it. It's a win. I, I, me neither. It's yeah. a win-win. I mean, you know, Dabo, obviously, there's a lot of security in 10 for 93. <laughs> yes, there um, is. And he's a relatively young head coach uh, that's established one of the best programs in the country. If you're Clemson, you want to make sure you have some control over that if you can. And so I think it's a win-win. The bigger question there is, you know, how much college coaches are getting paid. That's a conversation for another day probably on the show versus the pizzas that you're not allowed to buy the players. Do you know what I mean? But yep. generally speaking, I have no beef with it. I think this has a lot to do with the 10-year deal because Nick Saban is getting up there in age. Uh, as he continues to have success, there's a lot of hey, – when does he move on from Alabama? Dabo right. played at Alabama. He was a wide receiver there. Would he go there? I don't know if you had to give no. him the 10-year deal. I think he'd be crazy to leave Clemson to go to Bama because the enormous expectations that would be there. Instead of trying to go carry on the Alabama dynasty – and start over with a different mindset, different coaching philosophy, just continue to build the one. I think Dabo Sweeney is the closest thing to Bobby Bowden that we have in today's college football game. I think he's going to be a Clemson for the duration, and I think it's a great thing and that they they locked him up for this term. I think it was pretty much a formality. I don't know if it was necessary, right. but I don't have any problem with him with them inking him that new deal. Right. They also gave uh, their athletic director, Dan Redikovich, who's one of the bigger uh, names in college football. He's been in the college football playoff selection committee. He got a new six-year deal as well. For sixteen million dollars in his own right, so it's kind of like hey, like, he's, Some good he's, money he's making a deal for Dabo. He's right. getting a new deal. Uh, it must be nice to be a, a Clemson Tiger right now. So good for them. Um, we had our guy DK Metcalf, wide receiver from Ole Miss, up here yesterday on the show. Really liked him. We talked about this yesterday. I was concerned about him mm-hmm. before we met him uh, that he could be a potential bust. 
uh, six five, ran a four three, physical specimen. I was worried that he was one of these guys that everybody falls in love with because when he takes off his shirt, he's shredded, he looks the part. But the production wasn't there when he was old Miss. He had broke his neck when he was there. There were injury concerns. So I actually thought he would have been a bust if he was taken in the 15 to 20 to 25 range of the first round. Now in the second round, I'm like, all right, now it's worth the risk to take him. Right. And he could potentially be a game changer because of the size he's there. And after talking to him, I love his mindset. I think he's got a good attitude. I think he can evolve and get that lateral movement that he needs. Mm -hmm. So I actually think he's going to provide somebody pretty good value. And I think he does get moved pretty early here on day two. Yeah, I hope for the kid because he seemed like a great kid. Um, You know, had a really good personality. seemed pretty humble um it, here was the deal i thought that and coca said that he wouldn't pass baltimore uh the problem was hollywood brown was sitting there when baltimore went so you go with you go with hollywood i got no beef with that i actually thought that new england was going to take him with the last pick of the first round they wound up going with the kid what's his name from uh, arizona state Nikhil, oh don't 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 tell me that because no. you know what i'm gonna hear yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna hear our boy coca so just to give you a little background right. on this pick Nikhil harry out of arizona state it was taken 32nd overall we did a mock draft I was traveling for my picks, so our producer, Matt Coca, right. did my selections for me. Okay. When he selected, he had on the paper, he had him, the Patriots taking Nikhil Harry. He nailed it. He nailed it. At the time, I thought Matt Coca was crazy. I thought the Patriots were crazy. I'm like, wait a second, this makes no sense. Why would they do that? So right here, publicly, I am acknowledging that Coca is a better mock draft GMer. What? Than I am. Wait, this is all. This is breaking news. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I am giving them the props for making that selection. He nailed it. He must spend a lot more time in chat rooms than I do. There you go. So kudos for him for making that selection. But I I did think that would have made more. I I like DK Metcalf better than I like Nikhil Harry. It doesn't mean that you know Nikhil Harry is not a bad pick. Sure. But they kind of are similar. Uh, He's Nikhil Harry's a bigger guy. DK just way faster. Yeah, exactly. Four you know? three and bigger. He's yeah, taller. You know, right. Nikhil Harris like six two. Mm-hmm. We saw DK yesterday six five. Yes. Like he's a monster. Uh but obviously the Patriots, I don't think anybody's gonna question Bill Belichick's no. uh drafting uh history uh where he is there. So day two gets underway. This is when you'll see some steals take place, you'll see guys come in, they're all gonna have that chip on their shoulder. Sure, but yeah. you know, they're all gonna talk about it. At one time, can somebody just keep it quiet? Like we so, don't need to hear about the chip on your shoulder. Who was left in the green room? Uh, Drew, like Locke. Drew Locke was there. DK Metcalf was DK there. DK Metcalf was Brady there. Brady Williams was there. Ooh. A lot of guys. So now, there's a... But they'll have another red carpet tonight. They'll still get to be there to be you a gotta part of it. you got to come with two suits? Yeah. That's the where we How have many to go guys buy come one. That's two... even worse Ooh. if you have to go buy one today. Yeah, that's All right. Stuff. All right. So enjoy huh. the draft. We'll be keeping out. We have everything uh, covered on Monday. We'll recap the entire draft. But stay right here. CBS Sports HQ all day long. NFL draft coverage.